Hello, you're listening to the Talk Your Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And you have been listening to Kindness to Others by The Rolling Girls, which is the OP for The Rolling Girls, which is one of the shows in the winter 2015 season, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Today is our first impressions of the winter 2015 season, and we got, uh, I think, what, 17 to go through? Yeah, quite a few, so we better hurry. Yeah, we got we got we got to run through some. Um, we're gonna probably take pretty good time on each one of them that way, kind of spell everything out for you guys. And I think we pretty much covered every single show. I think there's maybe one, maybe two stragglers, but um, those are mainly because they're not they're not streaming here or they're not really on anybody's radar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kick off with each one of them. I'm gonna give a quick synopsis on them. Um, talk about the shows in detail and what we think about them, and give you an idea of you know what what to expect in them. So maybe you might like them, even if we don't like them, or or whatever. I'm going to coin this season as being the season of uh, censored hentai. I, I I almost can't argue with you on it. We got like I think I counted like five shows at some point that are pretty much like why is this not just hentai? Because yeah. I mean you got everything that spells hentai in here. And you're over censoring it just to get it through the door. <laughs> Why even bother? And I also kind of coined it as the art style ADD season too. There's there's quite a few seasons that's like what's happening with the art style flip flopping left and right kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Also, the season of what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> See, there's going to be a couple shows we're going to talk about. I'm I'm sure many people already know a few of them that we're going to be talking about. But there's a couple of shows that. When I'm watching them, it, it it's not so much that I'm bothered by the fact that it's completely obscure what the hell's going on. I'm confused as what's going on. It's more the fact that it annoys people like us that have to tell people about those shows. Because yeah. like, well, this show is about, I don't know. <laughs> I seriously don't know what the hell's going on here. But I'm going to have to somehow make something coherent for you all to know what's going on. And we're probably going to get messages left and right about, no, actually... This symbolizes this, and it's actually the director's key cornerstone in all of his writing. I, sorry, don't know. People totally know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but there's a couple of them, actually. There's, there's quite a few of them. Um, we're going to jump right into our first show. Um, I kind of just put these in order of what they're on our simulcast, so it's basically the shows that are coming out Sunday through Saturday, so no particular order. And there's probably going to be a few points where we're going to be really mean not really mean but mean on a couple of shows and then come up high and happy but hopefully the tunnel shift won't jar too many people our first show we're going to start off with going to start off with uh, i think a pretty big one which is uh, maria the virgin witch or junkitsu no maria and that is a show that is currently airing on funimation if you're in the north american region or i think that's pretty much the only one. i think when funimation grabs it it kind of locks it in but yeah, um, this show is a story that follows Maria, the most powerful witch who lives in the Hundred Year Wars in France. Uh, she despises war, so she obstructs battles with her strong magical powers. Her meddling with her succubus Artemis and incubus Priapos, I think it's Priapos, I don't know, uh, has caught the attention of the heavens, so the archangel Michael issues an edict. When Maria loses her virginity, she will also lose her magical powers. A beautiful angel named Ezekiel is supposed to watch Maria and make sure that the witch does not use magic in front of people, but Maria continues to use the magic anyways. Which, again, is probably one of the most clearest synopsis possible, because that is pretty much the so-so far in a, in a, a nutshell. 
Um, there's certain parts which are more uh, overly done than others. But yeah, I, I give this show right off the bat. It looks visually good. I love the style. I actually really like Maria's character art. Um, especially they've recently showed her as a, a, a kid and she's absolutely adorable. Um, but yeah, I, I just visual style awesome it looks like they're they're doing a lot of work into this the backgrounds are beautiful the the settings are beautiful uh the magic is awesome the battles are awesome it doesn't look like anywhere they're really cutting corners so far (laughs) what do you think on the visual style side i love the visual style i think it's great even like the little things in the show like it kind of mentions in the synopsis, but at some point, uh, this archangel Michael shows up and he says, "Hey, you're you're interrupting the balance of of of, of powers. You're you're disrupting the the balance of nature by using your magic in the battlefield." And then, she, of course, she's like, "You know, hey, you you, you guys up in heaven, they're they're calling for you, and you're not helping them. So what what you should be helping these people." And he's like, "That's not our job. We're just supposed to observe." And the entire time she's talking to Michael, he's got this like really blank stare. And it's like really cool how it kind of in, encapsulate the idea that you would assume that this Michael is is created by God to just observe. So in, sure enough, he probably wouldn't have any kind of human emotions. Correct. Thus, the blank stare is the fact that he has no emotion. He's just, no, this is how it's supposed to be. So deal with it kind of thing. But the funny thing about this show is that it's creating such huge conversations on our forums, like really, really deep kind of story. Uh, discussions about like how michael's just kind of a hypocrite they're not helping and and maria's actually helping people which i think is what they were planning on doing with the writing i mean that it definitely seems like it's that writing is striking that chord mm-hmm. that whole element is really interesting to me and fascinating to me i kind of agree i think it was neko on the forums where i think it really is a thing where i think michael's working on his doing his own thing like i don't think in the end it'll be God doesn't want Maria to do this. I think it's more that Michael doesn't want her to do this because he's jealous of her, something like that. Um, because it, I see it, it's one of those things where you can claim that there's these things about, I, yeah, I don't particularly like how they're putting religion in such a bad light. But to be honest, that's things weren't peachy back in the day in our world. And at the same time, this is Maria the Virgin Witch world. This isn't really human world. So don't, I don't take it too personally. But at the same time, I kind of wonder if there's this element of, uh, we might want to put it in a, in a box, but I think they're managing to make something that's a lot more interesting out of the whole aspect. And I think that whole aspect is what's really drawing me into the show. The only downside that I have with this show is that a lot of the humor is very uncomfortable kind of humor. They'd really deal with a lot of sexual humor, um, some a lot of semi-crude humor, and... Unfortunately, I can look past that, but at the same time, they're killing a lot of those jokes. So, the virgin aspect is getting killed at this point. We're on episode four, and they're still, right off the get-go in that episode, they're kicking the the virgin joke again. Well, we we pointed that out when we were talking about the synopsis. It was like, everything about this show screamed that they were going to make it very sexualized. But we were like holding out this hope, a this way, little though. bit of hope. Yeah, we were holding out this little bit of hope that it was it, they were going to grab onto what what the the story and actually work with the story. Yeah, they would probably beat that little joke here and there, but 
we were hoping that they were going to stay away from it too, too much and not focus on it too much. And about three or four episodes in, yeah, we can see that they're getting a little bit too heavy on those jokes, but they're still pushing forward the, the main storyline, which I, I think I appreciate that. Um, the little bit of, to me, a little bit too much, but the playing with that, that those jokes is kind of passable. I, as long as they keep on this, this main storyline. See, the the funny thing is with the joke that I thought they were going to kill is like, okay, that means they're going to have these people coming after her and trying to take her virginity constantly trying to practically rip off her clothes. Yeah, that's true. And (laughs) what ended up being was just basically every few minutes they're joking about the fellas. You need to go lose your virginity already kind of thing. And then uh, Artemis would show up and she'll make a, a comment about how her hips hurt. And it's like, okay, I get your succubus. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> I mean, th- I mean, is this her life? Every time she shows up, she makes a comment about how she's been used too much? I mean, I don't really... Okay, I get it. I get it. You're, you're a succubus. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I seem to never get tired of uh, Priya Post, the incubus, complain about not having yes. um, the proper equipment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where when I'm watching the episodes, I'll see those moments and I go, oh gosh, get over that joke. But then they'll show me something that's just really quite either beautiful or just intriguing. I I'm fascinated with this world they're creating of this 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 struggle between what you can't why why can't you help the people? I'm helping the people. Why I'm created by you? Why can't I use the things you created me with to do what you're not going to do? Right. All those elements are really interesting to me, and it's all wrapped up in a very visually beautiful show that, yes, does have its 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 downsides, but I'm overall just really fascinated by the show and enjoying it. And I'm really enjoying the conversations we're getting into on the forums, so it's – I definitely suggest it. I, I haven't had really too much problem with it, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Which is a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, moving forward, we're gonna go into Yatterman Nights. So we're gonna we're gonna keep on the high. <laughs> so are are we going to take this time to to take back our our yeah. initial impressions? That's also uh, Yoru no Yatterman. And yeah, when we first did our first impre- or our preview, we were kind of like this this synopsis doesn't make any sense. And I I put the synopsis in this uh this thing and I, I'm probably not going to read it just because of the fact that it made no sense when we were doing the preview so I'm not going to read it again and confuse people again uh, but it basically follows this girl Leopard and she was born in this very remote location with her mother and her two servants and at some point the mother gets ill and so Leopard and the two servants don't want her to die so they go and jump onto this ship to ride to the one location they know that people are at, which is across this big lake that they've been separated from. There's this big, huge, gigantic, bustling city called uh, Yatterkingdom. And she's always read books about this these Yattermen that are, were fighting these criminals uh, known as the Duranjo. And so she believes Yatterman's going to save Mom, so we got to go over there and, and talk to Yatterman. Yatterman will give us what we need to save Mom. As they go across this huge stretch of water, they this huge gigantic wall appears. This door opens. The two Yatterman uh, appear and they say, "Halt! You're not allowed to be here. Turn around. We'll shoot you." And they start. They blast them out of the water, pretty much. So when she returns home, um, it, it becomes obvious the mother is is not going to make it. And 
it's this huge struggle with her because she recently had went into the shed and they're at their house and found this kind of memorial made for this uh, Duranjo, which is actually, they are descendants of Duranjo. Leopard's a, a descendant. The two servants are descendants. And if you if you actually, this is kind of off the synopsis, but if you actually look at Yatterman, this is actually an ongoing <laughs> series that's been going on since, I think, the 70s. It's a really old animation uh, sh- uh, series. And it's usually, the Yatterman series usually covers Yatterman as he fights these criminals known as Duranjo. Well, in this show, you're basically taking the perspective of the descendants of those criminals. And on the flip side, you're realizing, hey, the Yatterman's not good people. And now it's turning almost into a anti-hero kind of thing where now the Ranjo, which were the thieves before, are now fighting the Yatterman because they... Leopard basically realizes that the Yatterman's really evil and they wouldn't help him. So she's, in her young innocenceness. She wants to go flick the forehead of the other man and punish them because the, the the most evil thing she can think of to do to somebody to punish them is a flick on the forehead. She's very innocent in that nature, and I, that's partly why I love it. Um, so it, it basically covers her adventures. She goes into the Yatter kingdom and takes down the Yatter man. And of course, with her is her two the two servants, which are the, of course the descendants of the uh, the uh, the partners of Duranjo. And so they go off into the kingdom together, and you have uh, Tonzoro and Boyaki. I don't remember which one's which. I think Boyaki's the big, burly one. He's kind of the the physical work guy. He'll go up there and punch something. And then uh, Tonzoro, which is, he's kind of like a ingenious engineer. He'll basically craft something out of anything. He'll usually create this gigantic mecha robot that'll fight something. Out of a couple of toothpicks. Yeah, pretty much. He'll just find a pile of scraps and make a, a, a... vehicle out of it but i think what i really love about the show it, it for one it it's kind of like my replacement of what vesta didn't end up being world world conquest vesta plot mm-hmm. um that show ended up being more silly than anything whereas this one kind of just takes that aspect of the girl against the world kind of thing and turns it into it, it's part silly comedy fun and then part just really serious heartbreaking and emotional kind of storytelling and I just love it for that. I, the tonal shift does kind of bother me sometimes, but I've kind of gotten over it because I just I love Leopard, I love the Duranjo team, and I love the emotion that they go through. I think that they they do really good on the the tonal shifts. Honestly, um, it, it plays right right back into going into a serious moment, and then it it it. it It'll just give a, a, a brief respite for a, a breather while it does something silly and then it gets back into a seriousness. Or it goes into their crazy hijinks against the, the, the Yatterman. It's it, usually just when they're in the battle where it really gets overly silly. Yeah. That, I mean, you're talking about a robot appears, copter happens, and then they explode. It's like, why did the copter the, even happen? Or the, big, or the big mecha that's a big old... F- hand so the finger yeah flick, like so that they can flick the forehead of the ottoman this show i i i i love that we had we gave this one a shot because it is truly in my opinion it and we haven't even gotten to the end and i'm already wanting to call this show a masterpiece it looks this is gorgeous. definitely the gem of the season that yes. nobody really has on their radar that i think um, the few people that I that have kind of noted it really love it. So I just know that when you do finally acknowledge it, you'll like it. 
Um, it's just, I, I really can't find anything that I don't enjoy about it. I mean, right. they, they end up running into um, a cabin where there's this other girl. Um, I don't have her name on here. Uh, she runs into this girl that she's blind, I think. I think they pretty much established she's blind. They haven't really said that she's blind, but she obviously looks blind. And you start getting into her backstory, and then you have this other guy that shows up who's a childhood friend of hers, and then you start getting into how their parents were taken to this this Yatter kingdom and worked to death. And then you add to that like these other villages that are having their problem with being brought in to fight, and this this the kind of eeriness of the world. Like <laughs> This person gets called for 35 years of labor in the Yatter kingdom, has to leave his pregnant wife behind, and... As he's struggling with the fact that he's going to have to leave his wife for pretty much their entire child's life or childhood, the the Yattermans are kind of like, well, what's wrong? Is there a problem? And he's like, no, I, I find that that's amazing. I'm going to be able to work for them. And then the, the wife's like going, Banzai, Banzai. And everybody's, all the villagers are kind of like fearfully saying, Banzai, everybody has to fake that they're excited. And it kind of seems weird in the fact they're yelling Banzai and lifting their hands up. But at the same time, it's like, it's just a really creepy, eerie world that they're having to it live is, in, it, and it, it, there's a serious you, tone behind yeah, it. Yeah, there is definitely a dark tone to this world, and and it, and it, and that's I think what contrasts the the comedy so well. It's not, and and when I say the comedy, I'm not talking about, uh, we're ta- we're talking, yeah, there's kind of this slapstickness to the comedy, but it it never feels like it doesn't belong in that world. A lot of it's really... It's almost like the innocence that 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 is trapped in that dark tone world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, a lot of it kind of surrounds Leopard. She's kind right. of like... She's still young, and it, like I said, the whole forehead flicking thing. A lot of the thing, the tones and stuff that are surrounding what they're dealing with is kind of surrounding the kind of the perspective of this child. It almost feels like this is all written by her right. as a child. Like, this is what happened. So it kind of still has an innocence-ness to it. In anything they do, even though so, yeah, somebody it, could it, die, it, it, it's it's not like it it's it doesn't fit in the world. It's just it per, it perfectly contrasts and it and it dra- and it pulls her out of it, yet at the same time keeps her trapped in it. And it and it's so well done. I, I I it's almost one of those things that you just have to see to understand. It, it it's hard for us to describe what it is. That makes this such a perfect little gem in in this in this season. Yeah, and then every moment that she kind of has that that desire for her mom, it's it's just heartbreaking oh, at the yes. same time. Uh, especially when she meets the the girl, the blind girl. It's like that moment of when she calls her angel, and I'm like, oh gosh, it hurts. She, oh yes, <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, and then that's and that's one of those things that's kind of like burned into my head. That 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 just no, her mom she... and. And the and the lady calling her Tenshi, it's just yes, I she is definitely a top runner, and she is probably going into my list of best lollies ever. I yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of those things. I, I just really hope that they'll make some some kind of figures for her. Yes. I think I think I'll probably snatch them up really quickly. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, yes, go watch it. Definitely a thumbs up on that one. Really enjoying it. Moving forward, we're going to go into <laughs> World Break, uh, or as we like to call it, uh, the Irregular Magic High Season Part 2. two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is pretty much the new Tatsuya, the new godlike main character situation. So the uh, synopsis is pretty... But at least he has more of a personality. 
Yeah. The series takes place in a private high school involving the concept of saviors. Uh, they are they are known as people who possess awakened memories of their past lives. The story tells of a young boy named Moroha Haimaru or Haimura who comes to this private school. At the school, that there are two types of people: saviors who fight enemies with weapons and techniques gleaned from oh, there's the prana thing, prana uh, powers from their own bodies, and the kuruma. Which uh, who wipe out enemies with magic to manipulate the mana powers that surpass physics. Basically, there's a light magic and a dark magic. That's pretty much why I'm kind of putting him. I, I'm making. I'm simplifying it as that. There are people that have passed with powers with magic that's light, and there's people with passed with magic that's dark, pretty much, or physical and magic. Anyways, uh, Moroha is the first person with the past life with both Savior and Kurama. Which is basically, he's OP. So, yeah. He's just OP. He is an ancient dragon. As he enters the school, he pretty much quickly meets uh, Haruka, who is who ends up... They both have this reoccurrence of their memories of their past lives. And in their past lives, they were brother and sister. And then, at some point, he runs into this other girl named Shizuna, which basically, they have a relapse of their past life, which they were husband and wife and so it, it quickly you realize that okay those are two separate lives that he has in his path one was light and one was dark so that's where he basically gets his light and dark power and at some point they get attacked and he has an awakening where he suddenly writes on the 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 air and explodes this gigantic overpowered beast which basically proves that wow he can take on this thing alone that means that he's something special so he's recruited into this team of people that fight these big gigantic beasts. And of course, like all harems, the other two girls somehow manage to get dragged into with him, even though one of them has absolutely no skills whatsoever. Yeah, it's uh She has the ability to laugh. Oh my gosh, that laugh. The sisters <laughs> laugh. And it's funny because coming from Yatterman, I loved uh Leopard's laugh. She's just got that innocent ha 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 thing going on. I love it every time she does it, especially when she does it when she's crying. That's even more adorable and sad. This one, <laughs> Haruka. Just admit it, your tears get, which get I'm, dragged out a couple times. I'm most positive Haruka, I think we looked it up, is basically the sister from Orimo. Same voice. <laughs> I think it's the same exact voice actors. And they are playing that off way bad because, of course, she's calling him brother all the time. And that <laughs> laugh is just grates the ears. I probably picked her just because of the whole little sister thing. <laughs> I think that's what I established in the first episode. Yeah. But it's... Uh, I, I this is one of the few shows that I just don't, don't really grab much. I, I enjoy a couple of the interactions between the characters. I kind of like a few moments where Haruka felt like she was being left behind and Moroha did something really nice for her to kind of cheer her up. Some little things that I didn't really expect in most shows, they managed to kind of break the mold and do something different. But in the end, it's really just a a school where people train with their powers and then they go fight big evil boss things. And I haven't really seen too much in the background that's really too interesting. I know you watched the episode that released today. I don't think anything's really changed beyond this point. It just really seems like they're wanting to recruit him for something specific. Oh, they, they recruited him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoiler. I know we all weren't expecting that, but 
that oh, wasn't well, really the I, change I, like I was say, looking he's, for. He's, <laughs> I was, he's super tattooed. I was really so. looking for if there's really some really cool character developments. Really more is what I was looking for. Yeah, uh, that huge development. He got recruited. <laughs> I mean, overall, visually with the the fighting and stuff, it looks decent. I mean, it's nothing to write home about. It just seemed like an action show with this guy with two typical harem girls. I can't really say too much about it. What do, what do you got? Uh, see, I, and I probably will f- watch this one because of Shizuno. I, I, I think she's absolutely just too funny. I I love her humor. I love her her personality. Haruka I could do without. I, it would be kind of neat to, to see her, you know, get, you know, thrown off of a cliff or something. And then, you know, the main character and she's in a go bad. So because- funny because I, I, besides her <laughs> laugh, I, I, I don't, I, I take Haruka over Suzuno because Suzuno is kind of that typical preppy girl that says things that you wouldn't expect a girl to say. <laughs> oh, you groped me. Oh, that's interesting character. Yay. She I, didn't I, scream I like and it. call him hentai. It works for me. We were all for a character that doesn't <laughs> smack somebody after she does something that causes him to grope her. She's great. Um, but no, they, I mean, they, they I, you can go with in, her, but I'll go with the lolly that can kiss and heal you. Yeah, I was going to, I was going <laughs> to say, uh, there is a lolly that they added in, in the last couple of episodes. She's pretty awesome. Um, <sighs> which is funny because everybody on Twitter right now is complaining about the fact that she's driving a car and it's like, but we totally overlooked the fact that she basically can <laughs> heal people by kissing them. That part got glossed over, but she's driving a car now. That's, that's breaking logic. <laughs> and then we have a an arena where people go to they because grab their it's a dog distortion. tags and dog tags turn into swords. And they have to fix but the dog the tag after every battle. Wrong. They're like, dang it, there's like this little <laughs> shop right outside the battlefield where they have to fix their dog collars every single time. <laughs> no, it was it was funny because they have this distorted this this alternate dimension, distorted dimension that they go to. It's a battle arena where they train because if they get hurt there, the moment they leave, they're fine again. Right. But yet he hurts somebody in there, and they drive an ambulance in there to pick him up. It's like, why don't you just drag him out of the distortion? Okay, why is there ambulances there? Don't don't worry about logic now. Come on now. Bollies drive cars. Breaks everything though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's not a terrible show. I'm just um, I don't understand how he's able to have all this time to draw stuff or write stuff, and there's an attack coming towards him. Because but everything because everything stops for main protagonists when they're doing super powerful. It's like abilities. a transformation sequence. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I I personally I like it. I think it it works well. I like the I like the protagonist. He's he's not too dominating, but at the same time, he's not. He's not weak. He's not a pushover. He's not a pushover. Um, I I enjoy his his personality. I enjoy, like I said, Shizuno. I I think she's she's really well she's really well told as far as a character. I don't care for Haruka. I think that they're putting a little bit too much into her. She's way too ginky. Um, I do like the the new lolly that they brought in. Um, I think that the world is interesting. Um. I, I think a lot of that stuff is going to play in. I like the the way that they're telling the past live story. Um, I think that those are interesting as well. Um, I, I I can't wait to see more of it. I think that it's going to be it has a, really a, has a really interesting concept in the fact with the past life thing because we'll we'll talk about it in a in a show coming up here in a few. Um, but there seems to be this constant ongoing 
craze now of shows with they're still trying to keep the young characters that way you're still having a show that features a bunch of school kids but they're trying to make it to where the protagonists and stuff aren't idiot kids they're trying to make them skillful and awesome and powerful right off the bat and so this is like the only case where they actually put something into effect that goes well this is why they're so awesome because they had they have experiences from past lives so it's like okay we're finally fixing that issue but you can really only do that with one show (laughs) i mean if i see another show that has oh well they have past lives i'm gonna get really angry so it actually they actually figured out a way of making that seem logical so Mm -hmm. I, I do actually find that whole past life thing kind of interesting, so we'll see where it goes from here. Moving on to the next show, we have Absolute Duo, which is a show that is about... The story begins with uh, Blaze, a weapon that is... Uh, this synopsis sucks. Oh. <laughs> this synopsis sucks. <laughs> this show basically covers a boy named Toru who joins a school, which is... What was the school's name? Um, I don't think they have a school's name on here. Who cares? The school he goes to <laughs> is a school that's specifically designed to train people in the skill of Blaze and in the art of duo. As he comes to the school, in the opening ceremony, they basically say, whoever's sitting next to you, fight them. Because whoever comes out on top in the end is basically going to be chosen to attend the school. The loser, go home, kind of thing. And this school is kind of... It, people kind of want to go to the school because they 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 cover everything, the tuition, they they train you, and they also give you like globs of money so that you you're you're, you're given home and money and everything. It's kind of a a, a big deal. Um, as he as he of course the main character Toto he wins in his battle against this girl. Um, but the kind of fascinating thing about it is that in these battles between these people, they are immediately given this blaze ability, which the blaze they kind of manifest this weapon out of themselves. And so one person will have a, a, a spear, one person will have a gigantic sword, somebody will have a rapier. The fascinating thing about Toro is he manifests a shield. It's kind of like this little this little uh, triangular-looking shield that goes on his hand. And that's kind of a, what do they call it? It's a, it's a what they, they gave it a specific name. It's a, no, it's not anomaly. It's something similar to the word anomaly, but special or something like that. But anyways, as he wins this battle... Uh, he of course is brought into the school. They're given the, they brought into this classroom, and and at that point they pretty much say, okay, the person sitting next to you once again is your your duo partner, who sitting next to uh, Toru in this class ends up being uh, Julie, who is this kind of she's very very shy at first. She doesn't want him to look at her. Um, she's from England or something, some foreign country, because she always says ja. I think that oh, would be yeah. German, something like that. Um. She she could speak complete English or complete Japanese, but she still says ja and and nine or whatever or nice or whatever. I don't know. Um but yeah, anyways, he's assigned to this girl and they're they're trained and all that kind of stuff. Then they have to go through uh kind of like mock battles where each duo will fight each other. Even though he's kind of upset with the fact that he got stuck with this girl that randomly sat next to him and was assigned as his duo. When they are allowed to choose their duo partner, he still ends up choosing Julia because she kind of, she's both kind of uh, fragile, I guess, at first and needs help. And so he kind of has this desire to help her because she's so kind of helpless. She's basically your your, your typical girl that needs help, like Sakura Sao or something like that. The girl that needs help 
bathing and everything. I'm not not that far actually. <laughs> they didn't go that far, but she wants to be. She doesn't want to be alone, so she'll often get into his bed. Trope, trope, trope. But it, it still kind of was sweet in that aspect. I think at the point in which he chose to keep with Julie, I keep wanting to say Julie. I know it's it's something weird like that. Julie, at some point, he chooses to stay with her, and I thought that whole element was kind of cute. Um, she kind of reveals also that. He has some kind of past where somebody murdered his family or something like that. Her, uh, she called him a revenger or something like that. An avenger. A revenger. I don't remember. She reveals that she's kind of similar to him in that aspect. I think that she was attacked also and that she's trying to av- revenge or something like that. That whole element was kind of cute, but... It, there doesn't really, it doesn't really seem like the show's going really anywhere. They did kind of recently reveal that there's people kind of taking interest in him because he is kind of special in the fact that he has that abnormal blaze. There's other girl that has an abnormal blaze and she takes interest in him. And that that's really all there is to the story. I don't, I don't I haven't really found too much in it that's really dragging me into it at all, but it's still kind of fun in the aspect of a typical fight to survive training kind of school setting, I guess. What about you? This show had I I, I thought was really interesting. Uh, and and you, how many episodes did you get in? Because I only got two episodes in. I watched all the way to the recent one. Um, did the girl at the first in the first episode ever come back? No, surprisingly, I expected. Because I, I thought that that was a that was episode an four as I watched up to. They they actually they they really kind of played on her and and made her seem very significant. I'm gonna and assume then, that she probably goes to one of the other schools because there's there's multiple Blaze schools. That's possible. I I just well, I thought it was really interesting because of the fact that they had they had played into her and made her feel like she was a, a part of the main cast, and then they they were like, okay, now you have to fight the person next to you, and then so it was like. Okay, no real big deal. But when they had said, okay, that person is going to be kicked out, I figured, okay, they were going to make some kind of a loophole to make it to where she can stay. <laughs> and and when they when she actually got defeated and they were like, okay, bye-bye, and it was like, wait, wait, wait. The, that, that, that girl doesn't get kicked out. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I'm, I, I I'm did positive like that. that at some point. Because they, they, they highlighted her too much and gave her too much character to be just a random person so yeah i expect at some point she'll be at an, an arrival school or something like that and have to fight against each other trope but well i mean you know that, i mean even that would make more sense than them just dumping her off and it's like that wow i wasn't expecting that one so i mean i do kind of like that um i there was a there, it's so funny that you're pointing that out and i'm like oh yeah i remember that i remember that actually being a thought of my a thought in my head when i watched episode one but now i'm in you know after episode four it's like Oh yeah, that's right. That was that girl. I don't really <laughs> care about her anymore. And, and it's possible that I'll end up forgetting about her. But it was one of those things that I thought was really impressive that they had done that in the first episode, and it was it caught my attention. And I I did like some of the things that were in in the next episode, and I Except thought except was... for a, a particular teacher who's obnoxious, oh. and they somehow oh figured gosh. out how to keep I her had, in the I show. Had, I had actually like completely erased that from my head. I thought I'd remind you and give you a headache. Yes, you didn't have a migraine today. I thought I'd give you one. <laughs> no, what sucks is I was like, "Oh, Chris, by the way, don't worry about that teacher anymore." And then I'm like, 
Never, never mind. They're gonna, they're gonna find out some way of bringing her back in. Oh, yep, she's back in. <laughs> no logical like, reason behind her like, being there, but no, they will no, bring her back in because I, yeah. Well, Genki. well, when you had mentioned the 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 Genki bunny teacher, it was like, or the Genki teacher, I was like, come on, she can't be that bad. And and as 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 it's panning through the screen, I'm, I see this this the this. Literally, stage. like straight, there's a straight stage. out of, and straight out of a bunny waitress yes. restaurant because she got the whole the one piece bathing suit looking kind of outfit with the bunny ears. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm looking. It, it, the the it's the screen pans and there's a stage and then there's this this lady in in a tuxedo, a guy in a tuxedo, and goth the, lolly president. Well, even that I could I could go okay, I, I'm fine with. But then I noticed the 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 bunny teacher. Nobody had told me anything <laughs> about a bunny teacher, but I knew that was the Genki character. Okay, no big deal. Maybe she still can't be that bad. Right? He's, he's totally thinking like Andrew gets overreacts on. Yeah, this kind he of overreacts stuff. on everything. No, it's she's like, jumping off the walls and oh on the desk. Oh my <laughs> gosh! I'm like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> And I'm like, I was near ready to shut that thing down, like, the second she got five seconds into her little lesson, and I was like, oh, no. And it gets even better when they get into the fact that she somehow has some kind of split personality, and her other side is kind of like this evil, devious, laughing, psychotic woman. But yet, she's allowed to stay in the school, though. It's okay. She's she's bringing potential out of the students, so the fact that she tried to murder... <laughs> A whole bunch of students. That's okay, because <laughs> potential she's bringing out of them. So anyway, um, I I do like some aspects to the show. Burn the teacher into the ground, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna keep watching it because I I think it has some potential. So it's got some cute characters. I, I enjoy a lot of the characters, in it, and I'm enjoying a lot of the elements behind it. I, I was hoping they would do a little bit more with his shield ability. That is kind of interesting, but episode four was, it's kind of like episode one, I was like, okay, okay I'll, I'll deal with this. Episode two, it was like, okay, now we're getting some really good heart moments. Three was interesting, and then episode four, it was just like, ugh, where are we going with this? So I'm I'm hopeful of the show. I don't think it's doing anything spectacular, but it's it's got my interest. Shock. Go shock. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did I throw you off? <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. Uh, our next show that we're going to talk about is Yurikuma Arashi. And that, uh, yeah. Um, this is one of the How shows that I'm this? kind of... <laughs> How can we do this? That This is the one, if you didn't guess it by now, when we were talking about in the intro for this episode, this is one of those shows where it's frustrating to us because we have to talk about the show. And with a story that is just very hard to really explain. The, the synopsis, I'm just going to go with the synopsis for the most part. It says, some time ago, the asteroid Kumaria exploded in the depths of space. The result fragments came as uh, became a meteor shower that rained down on Earth. And for some reason, bears all over the world rose up and attacked humanity. And you will get this synopsis at the beginning of every episode, by the way. 
Um, in Man vs. Bear, the bear ate the humans and the humans shot the bears, resulting in a seemingly unending battle and a cycle of hatred. In the end, a giant wall of extinction was erected between the humans and the bears, and a state of mutual non-aggression came to pass. The human world. One morning, Arashigaoka Academy students Kureha Tsubaki and Izumino uh, were by themselves and saw the fury flower that bloomed in the flower bed. Symbolism. Uh, the two are friends as well as lovers. The flower bed is an important place for the two. At the moment, the bear alarms ring out. The bears are invading the human world and humans are being attacked. Are they really those bears? The one mystery invokes yet another mystery and another and another and another and another. The curtain rises on the magnificently on Yurikuma Arashi. Yeah, this show is a bath of symbolism. That's really all it is. Um, the, about the only thing I really get from most people is, oh, that's okay because it's Kunihiko Ikuhara, and he's amazing because he did uh, Penguin Drum and and uh, what was the Revolutionary Girl. Cool, but what is great about the show was my frustration when first coming into this. I was like, I don't get why people are so interested in the show. I, I do kind of, but I don't think anybody wants to admit that part of it. Because my frustrating coming frustration coming into it with the first two episodes was really this show just seems like a a reason to have Yuri erotic love while no censorship, which is brilliant how they can pull that off, and I give him credit for that. Um, they mentioned that this, this Ikuhara guy went and talked to women and made sure that the symbolism was not inappropriate and that it was good. And it's like, I can tell you that I went and talked to a bunch of women before I went and made a porno, but that doesn't make it not a porno. So it's, it's frustrating the fact that it, it's insanely erotic and I give him credit for that. It's a very beautiful show. I like the visuals. I, I think the characters in a lot of situations are very sexy. I think it's, it's, it's great in that aspect. Um, I was a little bit put off in the first episode, mainly because it really kind of, the symbolism they did, quote unquote, kind of symbolized a woman being raped. And that bothered me. Or not, I wouldn't say the point of rape, but she was, she was licked. Her flower was licked. And it, it was, it, it felt wrong to me in, in the fact that it wasn't the fact that they did that, which that's fine if you want to do that for character development, but they were making it, erotic and and in a glorious light and that felt wrong to me i kind of got over it over a while and i've i, I don't want to say i'm enjoying the show but at the same time i'm not hating the show anymore episode four was a lot better i enjoyed episode four mainly because i knew what the hell was going on on the screen <laughs> it made sense but at the same time the overall story doesn't make any sense at all and it and it's a struggle for me personally because I want to talk about this show. I want to enjoy the show, but at the same time, I'm constantly wondering if this, the overabundance of symbolism is Ikuhara's way of saying you're stupid and I'm brilliant. It, it feels like it's making me feel stupid more than it's saying, here, this symbolism, and I go, oh, I figured it out. This is clever. It's more of, I'm not figuring any of this out. Am I stupid? And that makes it unenjoyable. And I'm wondering if it's just... Is there symbolism there, or is this just an excuse to have Yuri? Because I'm at the point where I think just all the bears are just... Everybody's a bear. 
and the flower licking isn't really licking a flower. That's all I'm getting out of the show so far. <laughs> the bears aren't eating people. Because in the opening, it shows a bunch of female characters on the ground, and the bears are... It's not they're eating humans. They're licking flowers, and they're not licking flowers. And that upsets me. Because <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's forced licking of the flowers. But it, it kind of goes with a couple of the shows in this season where it's like, I might as well watch a hentai. I mean, if, yeah. if this is all you're going to give me, why not just watch a hentai at this point? Right. This does look beautiful, though. Oh, it looks I gorgeous. wish... I, if hentai looked this good, I would watch a hentai all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good uh, admittance. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. This show, this show, this show. I... I I I I I have to I, 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 I can't register anything in my brain right now. <laughs> it broke him. I I end up in <laughs> yeah, you broke me. You are broken. You're trying to think of what to talk about with Yuri Kuma. <laughs> Kuma Shock. Yep, Kuma Shock. Um <laughs> now I'm gonna um a whole bunch. I have to agree with Andrew on the aspect of a lot of this is very, very sexy. It is very beautiful. I enjoy watching it for what it is. And for shabada, da 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 The downside is there's this tendency to play on the cutesiness, and that makes it a little uncomfortable on my end. By making it erotic. Yes. You, it, it, when Two bear girls... Yeah. <laughs> and they're going, chew, and then it's, that's not what she's doing. Yeah, that's not what she's doing. <laughs> she's growling, because she really... Oh, that, got to, got to, that growling <laughs> thing at the beginning got to really annoying, but I'm glad they kind of mellowed on it. Ah, it looks great. There's a lot of symbolism. <laughs> One of these days, I'll understand all the symbolism. But right now, all I have is a bunch of theories, and uh, who knows if I'll ever get any of those theories right. That's, that's what that's the problem. Like I, I, when I was struggling with the show, and I'm like, why people? Why are you so great on this? And it's like, well, it's because this guy did it, and he did Penguin Drum, and it's like, yeah, but what about the show though? I, I understand that Penguin Drum is amazing, but what about the show? And I, I've yet to hear anybody say, well, it's amazing because of this. No, you're just saying it's amazing because of Penguin Drum. And I almost want to go watch Penguin Drum just because I want to understand people's mentality in that. But there's only so many hours in the day. And I I want to start yeah, with, I want to leave it one. I want to keep with one bath of symbolism to, to <laughs> scrounge through before I start adding another bath. Because I'm going to get the two baths mixed up. And then you'll have flowers and penguins licking the flowers. And nobody <laughs> wants that. I actually watched the, a bit of the first episode of Penguin Drum. And I was, going, I was constantly going... Oh my god, if you have a penguin lick a flower, I'm really angry. <laughs> <laughs> I I to be fair, I mean I have ideas in my head of what the symbolism means, but and I think that it can be good to a point. The problem is is that the way that he's this guy is portraying that I don't think is actually as empowering as what people are making it out to be does that make sense yeah i've i've gotten the empowering thing and it's like i don't i don't get that mentality but it it's it i struggle with the fact of trying to solve 
the obscurity. It, right. it, there's always a problem with trying to solve the obscurity when you're not given a single thread to work with because I don't want to put in the effort to unravel what he's doing when there's no guarantee he's ever going to unravel everything or that it's going to pan out properly. Why do I want to sit here and try to figure out, oh, obviously these two bears are her internal representation of 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 lust or something or giving into Yuri and this and that and that and I don't even know if that's going to pan out or not. And the bears So why do I bother actually, try to figure it out? And the bears are actually Yuri, therefore uh the Everybody's is, Yuri. The, the world is actually fighting against the bears and the bears are actually the 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 internal torture between you want to shoot the bears because that's what the world expects you to do, but the Yes, symbolism. <laughs> but then you go into the love court. And then it's sexy time. And then it's sexy time. And shabadabadoo. <laughs> God, I love that symbolism. <laughs> Glitters. Let's go to another show that is. Cool. But anyways. Oh. Now featuring many of the characters that were in that jury room is Cute High Earth Defense Club Love, which includes it Sexy Time, episodes. Cool Time. Yeah. He's reading my notes. I lost this in episode two. Cute High Earth Defense Club Love or Banan Ko Ko Gao Gao. Chikyu, buibu love. Yeah, um, this is a tale of five unlikely heroes who unite under the name of the Earth Defense Club alongside a pink wombat-like alien to defend their world and restore love to all. However, does a sinister organization lurk behind the scenes at Benan School? Yes. Because it would be a really, <laughs> be a really short series. Um, yeah, the first episode I kind of got the same thing as i was getting out of uh twin tales which is just kind of here's a high school or this high school it's always high school here's a a magical girl-ish kind of show that has comedy it's taking it and putting it through the ringer of comedy and i was getting a lot of that in the first episode of of boy love i want to call it boy love from now um but then it got to episode two and the quote-unquote bad guys were just blabbing on and i'm like I, I just really don't care. I mean, I, there wasn't enough that I got out of the first episode that said this is going to go really anywhere. And I, I upsettingly, out of all the shows that I, I've watched, all the shows in this season, that's the only one I've actually dropped so far. I don't want to say that I dropped it. I just I don't really have a desire to continue. I I, I be to be fair. I mean, I'm at what episode th- four or five now, and I I honestly want to drop it. It, it just there's. The the first episode was hilarious. I I was rolling. I I thought it was so funny. I mean, it it broke down the fourth wall. It toyed with itself. It threw everything that was magical girl out the window and said, but yet still embraced the the magical girl aspect at the same time. And it just said, hey, we're not girls. We're boys, and we're doing the exact same thing that they can do. And it. It was great. I yeah, loved like it. they were, they they go into battle and out of nowhere they just suddenly start yelling random phrases and doing poses and they're like, 
what happened? What'd you do that for? And I was like, I didn't do it. And then the other person does it. And then they're all kind of making comments about the fact they're forced to do this. Yeah. They, weird pose. They're making, they're making fun of the, the, the and there's this one Genki character that's just kind of going with it. He's like, whatever, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And they're all kind of like, well, if you're going to do it, we're going to do it too. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be left out of this kind of thing. And they're, they're, they're just saying, you know, like random, random Scarlet power number two. And they're like, don't give them random <laughs> names. Give them random names. It, it, it was great. I loved it. But, I sat there, and even on the forums, I we, we were all, like, having fun with this this first episode, but in, I said, you know, the main problem I see is, am I fi- did I find it funny because it was novel? It was new. It was something different. Can this carry on for 12 episodes? And I can attest to, no, it can't. I went right into the second episode going... I, I found nothing in the second episode interesting. Third episode came and went. Nothing in it. I I I never laughed again. That first episode, I laughed the entire time. I kind of agree, agree with you. It's it's really a case of yeah, running into an abnormal abnormal things, and you're kind of like, this looks wow. This caught me off guard. Yeah. Okay, what are we gonna do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can get and that. That, and I and I I think that that's gonna con- that trend is gonna continue the entire. The next eight episodes, there's not. I I would almost halfway say watch that first episode, have fun with it, enjoy it, and that's it. Because after episode episode two and on, I've not seen anything that's worth anything in the show. It it goes right into the stride of Magical Girl. The only difference is is it's Magical Boys instead. Um, all the tropes are there. There is a lot of heavy BL in there, so if you do like BL, you might enjoy that. Pretty Boys, it's got it. But outside of that, I haven't seen anything worth anything in the show. It's just, it's a magical girl with boys instead. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to not be as great as I thought it was. I just it was one of those, I got the train, I got I to gotta go to look at this, what happened to the train. <laughs> so, yeah. It's unfortunate it didn't really kind of pan out. All right, our next show is Kankali. New what? It is now official. We have watched like four episodes. It is now official that yes, Kankali does exist and it is it's being done. Now, actually, uh, five episodes. They're gonna cancel it halfway no, in the four. middle, and 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 we're gonna end up waiting another two years. They're like, ah, just joking. That was not even Kankali. That's actually Girls on Puns or Water Edition. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely got vibes of Girls on Panzer, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, this is set in a world where humanity has lost control of the oceans to the deep sea fleet. The only hope to counter this threat are Kanmasu, Kanmusu, a group of girls who possess the spirit of Japanese warships. Yes, it gets even weirder. The story revolves around Fubuki, a destroyer who comes to uh, Chinjufu, base and uh to train with the other kanmatsu kanmusu why do you want to keep seeing kanmasu but whatever watched as their stories unfold i don't know why i put a big old pause for that last sentence but whatever um but yeah this is uh basically fubuki comes into this this kind of school slash uh port area that these girls who have the spirits of past warships they get equipped with these um kind of equipment to go out on foot on water themselves 
just them physical selves out into the ocean to fight these other girls who are just like them, but they're black and white, dark characters um, that they fight against and shoot torpedoes at each other. And it's extremely cute. <laughs> I, I, I first, when I first watched the show, I was like, this is totally strike witches. I mean, the setting new girl comes in, she's inexperienced. They're actually outfitted with, um, with actual equipment to make them into battleships versus in strike witches. They're outfitted with, you know, propellers to be flying in the air. And that's pretty much where it stops because you don't have the, as I always coin it, the adventurous cameramen who like to get the penny shots and stuff um, like Strike Witches has. It's more, it's it, it has more of a feel and uh, everything around the feel and the characters and the interactions and everything is more in the lines of Girls on Panzer if you watch that because it's just, it's cute, it's fun, um, it's got a lot of heart, the characters are likable, they're lovable, and there's some emotional points in it. And that fits more in with Girls on Panzer. And so for that reason, I absolutely adore this show because I loved Girls on Panzer and I'm loving this one all the same. Um, I The visual style is great. The character designs are amazing. Like The only downside that I would even give this show is the fact that when they're out in battle, it's pretty much like 90% of the time they use CG. It's not jarring CG, but it's noticeable. But it's still really enjoyable despite that. I mean, it's not a bad thing. Okay, when I went into this show, I I, I, I I was fully expecting complete fan service show because when you see anything having to do with this show, you, you see... It's based off a, a browser game, which... Well, yeah. I, I, okay, not... No, the, I'm, the I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting where you're, what you're looking at. When you see pictures involving this world, if you want to call it that... It's usually one of two things. You get really good artwork involving the girls themselves, or you get this really questionable artwork involving this show, which both artworks look really good. It's just one's questionable and one's not. So I was fully expecting, okay, whenever these girls apparently get hurt, they lose their clothes, which I fig- I you know, you you automatically translate it out in your head, okay, this show is going to use any excuse it can to damage these girls. I was happily surprised by the fact that they really have steered away from that idea. Yes, when they get damaged, their clothes do tend to get hurt a little bit. But I have not seen anything depicting the level that I have seen in artwork circulating around this this world um when the first episode came in i was very very pleasantly surprised by how fun and engaging the show is it i wanted to see what was going on with these these girls i want i yes i went in it with the idea of i'm gonna give it a fair shot i want to see what's what's in here and and hopefully i'll walk away enjoying a good show but I also had that hesitant side of me because of what I had seen. And when I went in there and I was very happy with what I came by, came away with, I went to the second episode and I got pretty much the same feel. Yeah, they started throwing in a couple of these little um little things involving the sh- the, the 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 
the game itself, which I thought was c- nice. They, little... they played off of they played off of DLC pretty much. Yes, paid paid repairs. Paid repairs. I and I thought that that was a cool tip of the hat to them. And I and it was one of those things that now I'm gonna if I ever do actually play this game, which I do want to play this game. I'm going to I'm going to feel bad because my my little ship girl is going to be stuck in a pool in a tub and I'm going to be like uh, now I'm going to feel like I have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify, it is based off a browser game like I was mentioning. The reason I was mentioning that is because in the browser game when your characters get damaged, their card which would have their artwork being normal, their card will then change to like a half damage or whatever where, you know, parts of their clothes are destroyed. And they've really only had pretty much like th- maybe two, maybe three situations in the first four episodes where a character gotten visible, visibly damaged, and it would usually just be like the side of their bra and their bra strap. Um, nothing really that revealing, and it's kind of surprising aspect because I had the same feel. I was like, I know about this whole half damage and stuff. I mean, the figures are everywhere where they're half damaged. It's just a big selling point for these things. Is this kind of semi etchy aspect of it, but. In the show itself, they're not really playing too much off that. That could change because it could get a lot more heavy in combats later. I mean, they're really just dealing with skirmishes right now. Um, they've only really had one case where, you know, it went very far with the damage. And again, it's really only been in bra straps and stuff. I mean, it's nothing really that bad so far. They've really had maybe one or two occasions where Fubiki would, you know, be falling over herself and you'll kind of see a quick shot. But. I mean, over four episodes, a couple times, it hasn't really been in your face, kind of like with, like I was mentioning, Strike Witches. So I, I give them credit for that. I think that's, it, it's it's not, it's not doing it for the sake of doing it, which was what we originally thought. So I, had, like I said, though, I, I'm in, thoroughly enjoying it, loving it. Um, if you've watched Girls on Panzer, definitely watch this, because you're going to get the same feels here. And I know there's a lot of Girls on Panzer fans out there, that's why I kind of mention it, so... Not to confuse those that have not watched it. If you haven't watched Girls and Panzer, watch that too, because that's that's awesome too. Yeah. Anything else? I'm good with it. Let's go. Go with it. Okay. Uh, moving forward, we have the Testament of Sister New Devil, or Shinmai Mao no Testament. And that is a show set in the world where humanity has lost control of the oceans. This is... <laughs> I did not copy that one's thing, and I just repasted it, apparently. <laughs> that was good. I try. <laughs> I, I wonder if, if how much of the bloopers you're going to actually put out there. <laughs> I don't leave them in there if they make me look too stupid. If they make you look um, too stupid. <laughs> You'll like the, keep the one that the, makes me look real, really stupid. The, the Sister New Devil one's not even that any better, so... I could have just read Ken Kali again, and it would probably have been <laughs> just as good. Uh, the synopsis for Testament Sister New <laughs> Devil sister, is, right? quote-unquote, hey, you said you wanted a sister, right? This is the stupidest synopsis ever. <laughs> <laughs> this boy, Basara, suddenly realizes his dad is remarried, and he's got two new sisters. After being introduced to them, they come home and come to find out the father has something to take care of, and he leaves them alone with the two sisters. Before he leaves, basically, they had this little conversation off the side. Basara's kind of like, why why are you remarrying us? I don't even know who these kids are. And the father kind of just plays it onto him as, look, these two have had some rough situations they've been through in the past, and they need, they need your help. They need you to protect them. You're going to be their new brother. You're going to protect them. Well, anyways, father does leave, 
And once the father leaves, uh, this the the Maria, which is one of the sisters, the other one's Mio. Maria kind of reveals, "Hey, I'm a I'm a succubus, and I'm I'm uh, the servant to this girl Mio, who's actually uh, you know the the next demon lord. She her her father is dead, has been taken down, and Maria is going to replace her. So we pretty much fooled your dad, changed his memory into believing that he was getting married because we want to take over this house, so get out, kind of thing. Well, Basara says no, that ain't going to happen because <laughs> look, I'm actually a hero and." you get out of the house kind of thing. He, he brings out his weapon, um, stops them from uh, kind of attacking him with their magic because he's so overpowered. And he exiles them, says, get out of the house. And they leave. Well, Basar calls up his dad and says, dude, they were actually uh, demons. And uh, yeah, that, that was bad. And the dad kind of reveals, yeah, I wasn't really mind controlled. Um, turns out Basar and his dad are from this hero's, village where they trained to fight the demons and whatnot. And the father kind of reveals, yeah, I know that she was the next demon lord, but, uh, but, you know, we're family now, and I wanted you to protect her because she's in trouble. She's a good girl. She's just in trouble because this the demon world wants to replace her as the next demon lord. So it kind of triggers with him. They've, they've had a few moments together before they reveal that they were demons, and he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to go protect her. So... As her new, really taking in the whole aspect of being their brother, he goes and protects his new sisters. And that kind of goes on from there that uh, they end up running into Yuki, who is a childhood friend of Basara, who was with him when back when they were with the Heroes Tribe. And she doesn't like the fact that Basara is with this Mio girl because he's in danger being around her. There's a lot of demons trying to kill Mio, and they're going to harm Basara in the process. She's really awesome. I really like her. That's, that's basically the gist of it. You have Demon Lore Girl, who doesn't really have her powers awakened yet, and she's essentially having to rely on Basara, who is part of the Heroes Tribe that should be wanting to kill her. And then you have the Succubus Girl, who's kind of adding in the, the etchy element to it. And yeah, you're, they're dealing with the fact that this, this world's wanting to come to kill her. In that, I, I, I think they've done a really good job on this show. I, I came into the show not really expecting that I would enjoy it at all. Uh, especially since most of the PVs were about the harem aspect of the show, which is obviously there. Actually, not really a, a harem aspect to it. I mean, you have a couple characters that kind of like Basara, but it doesn't really feel too haremish yet. It does have a lot of the tropes aspects in, in there. I mean, you have a lot of etchy moments with these characters. Um, yeah, it, it feels more like a love triangle. Uh, I mean, so far. Mio, Mio is definitely there but it seems like she's more toying with him because she's a succubus it doesn't seem like she actually maria uh she doesn't actually feel like she's actively pursuing him as a candidate that's kind of sort of changing as she's starting to rely on him more um i didn't particularly care about what succubus the the maria did with the whole succubus powers to help them be connected and be able to tell where each other's at they did some kind of master slave spell on them and that end result is some kind of sexual thing that is now placed on Mio whenever she defies him uh, defies Vasara and I was I, thinking they were going to play on that too much but they haven't played on it too yeah, often I, I which think, is nice I, it, I was going to say it, it feels that aspect it, gets really hentai it, 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 is, it, is, it is amusing but it's a little bit too much and I think that 
but but that I think is a lot of the show in as involving the sexual jokes. I think that they're a little bit too much. I think it's a solid show by itself. The story that they want to tell is a, is solid. I'm not getting that too much though, unfortunately. I mean, I, it's story. it feels it, it feels like it could be something interesting, but it. I mean, if if I step back and I look at it and I go, okay, what really is in the guts of this? Not much. Demons, heroes. Well, and Demon then, Lord being but taken that's down. The problem that Demon they, Lord kind of that this is this is a thing that I, I get a lot of in 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 a, in general in a lot of these kinds of stories. I when I say it's a solid plot, be, I have not seen a show that has actually explored this. They they all say that they're going to explore it, but they never <laughs> explore it. They yeah, all get stuck one. on everything else, that and it's one. like, huh. I was just—I was harkening back to the I couldn't become a hero. So I looked and took a job. That's another one. It, it, they that had a solid Demon idea. Lord candidate girl and they has no never power. Explored it. it and oh, by the, the way, one, this, the this that, machine that produces ice is suddenly dis- exploding with lots of gel. Well, the only one that ever actually truly explored it was High School DxD, and that one did the exact same thing as this one. It keeps plastering into a whole bunch of uh, fan service. If that's the only way that you can get to explore the show to its full potential, fine, do it. Just hurry up and get it over with so that we can get to what really matters in the show. But, yeah, I like this show. I, I think that there's a lot in here that, that can be cool. I like the abilities that each one of them have. Um, I, I really want to explore the, the, the hero clan. I want to explore the demon world. I want to see... There's a lot of stuff here that I want to see. So, yeah, I'm on board right now. Honestly. I'm kind of liking the fact that even though it does seem like they have a limited budget, it does seem like they're still managing to do some really good, fluent combat sequences. I mean, a lot of the combat sequences in this show are just kind of surprising me with, okay, wow, this, this actually looks really good. They actually did a good job. Again, it doesn't look like they have much budget to work with, but with what they had, they're doing a good job of it. And so I definitely, definitely give them credit for that. I just don't quite understand why a Demon Lord candidate has to <laughs> trick a, a guy into believing that he's married just to get a house to live in, <laughs> even though they have all these magical powers. he's in exile. And then how they didn't realize that this... Basara wasn't a normal boy because his basically his entire body is covered from top to bottom with scars. And but no, he's a natural boy. He couldn't be part of this hero because tribe. He, because they're oblivious. They just don't have <laughs> obviously ability, oblivious. Which that really sucks if they're really that oblivious because they're gonna and in, in be have bigger problems than a boy that has a lot of scars. Well, I guess if you missed that aspect, <laughs> you, you're you're kind of on the right track if you feel that you need to seduce some guy in order to get a house <laughs> but okay yeah i really like uh what was her name uh nanaka she's she's awesome she's, she's i still love the character art by the way i yeah a lot of like the character art especially nanaka nanaka sorry yeah definitely definitely a good check if you if you if you're if you're good with the the kind of etchy uh comedy and stuff like that definitely check it out um just be aware that it does kind of get a little bit too far with the the whole you have to basically make her very, very happy in order for that spell to go away. I'll leave that to your imagination. Uh, our next show we have is <laughs> right, another one, Isaka. Uh This would definitely be taking the pick for the season of uh, hentai-ish elements. Uh, this show is uh, 
Shinichi, or I'm just calling him Shinichi. I think they just call him Shinichi in the show. Shinichi decides to look for an, a job in order to pay his rent. As and a teacher suggests that he work for someone at their house doing housekeeping. However, the person who hired him, uh, this actually synopsis is really terrible. Um, anyways, Shinichi, typical boy, going. Uh, I think he's going home or something like that one night, and he is confronted by this woman who basically disclosed right in front of him, and she says that he's going to give her him. She's going to give him the ultimate pleasure, and she suddenly turns into kind of half a centipede grabs him, nearly kills him, and before a gigantic, or not a gigantic, an arrow pierces the, the demon's head, and, and he's let free, and the next day, he's kind of struggling with the fact of, did that really happen kind of thing, um, and as some point during the day, uh, he hears a scream, he goes to check it out, ends up finding these uh, these three girls, one of them is on the ground bleeding, and there's some kind of beast in the hallway in front of them, can't quite see it. And then the beast suddenly runs away for some reason. Um, as he kind of realizes, hey, we're not safe yet. Um, there's other people in the school. He goes to chase after the beast for some reason. As he's running after it, he ends up finding this girl who is arrowed to this tree. And he goes over and says, um, what happened? And she's like, take this arrow out. Please take it off. I, I can't I can't get away. And so he, he, he goes to grab the arrow and he gets kind of shocked while he grabs it. But he pulls it out anyways. And this girl that's part of his school, which her name is uh, Sakuya, she says, what the hell did you do that for? I was I was just about to seal that, that Spectre. I think they call them Spectres. I was about to seal Spectre. that spirit. Spectre. It's yeah. Spectre, but, you know, yeah. It, it's French, funny. English thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, she says, that's a, that's a demon, or a Spectre. You, you, you just released it. I was about to seal it away. And he's like, no, this isn't. A sp- what are you talking about? Why are you trying to hurt this girl? And she's he's hold she's holding. Uh, Sakia's holding up her bow and arrow. Well, then she, he looks over, and suddenly this girl that he just freed is actually this gigantic, twin-tailed cat thing, demon-looking thing, and she runs off. Well, Sakia says, okay, Shinichi, you're an idiot. You're gonna you're gonna help me now. You 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 just messed this up. You're gonna help me now. Well, they go to chase after this cat, and it ends up turning out there's this other demon uh, specter there that they 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 try to fight. Uh, the twin tail cat helps them, uh, but what it comes down to is that there's this world, human type world, but unbeknownst to most people or anyone really, is that there's also specters that are in this world, and the specters, in order to remain in the world of the humans, they have to consume human life, uh, life force. So by doing that, they have to do this kind of exchange, I would call it, in return for taking the life force out of a human. They also grant them. Uh, was it called the unrivaled pleasure or something like that? Un, un, yeah, I think it's unrivaled pleasure or something like that. And this Sakia girl is actually like the 37th head of this Shima, Shima, Shimazu family. And so she is tasked with removing these specters from the world. And in the same time, uh, Shinichi has special aspects about him besides the fact that he ends up you know, taking the job to help clean her house. He's also, they end up finding out that he's kind of like an unlimited life force battery. And that aspect of him makes him special. He can grant Sakia extra power so that she can fight the Spectres. At the same time, they have this twin tail cat who they end up taking in. Um, she ends up liking the fact that she can draw power out of him unlimitedly and gain even more incredible power. That whole element's kind of interesting. I actually like. I actually like Tamako. She's actually really cute. The, the things they're kind of playing with off her. She's just. She's really fun. 
Uh, I don't particularly care for Sakia. She's kind of the typical Sundere. She's very loud, very violent. Um, Shinichi doesn't really seem to have too much going on with him as a character, really. Um, but really what this comes down to, with the aspect of the unrivaled pleasure that these these specters grant, this show is very borderline hentai in the fact that whenever they run into one of these specters, they're usually giving women pleasure, and that goes a little bit overboard. But overall, I kind of like a lot of the characters, a couple of the characters. It does have a little bit of fun in there. The, the comedy sometimes is really funny. So I am really kind of mixed on the show in, in the end. So is this where I insert my, my comment about the Roots of Lust? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, just let it lie. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> this is definitely on the borderline of tentacle porn. <laughs> So, ah, uh, this show, this show, this show. Um, I cannot stand that Sundere. That is like... I do, did not like... For Sundere is definitely not my favorite. I, I love her artwork. Don't get me wrong. I, but no, uh, she is like beyond... Is it sad coming into this? I'm going, ooh, Shrine Maiden with a bow. I love those. I, I love the idea of a Shrine Maiden with a bow. <laughs> definitely getting it with Ken Kali. In this one... <laughs> Why did she have to be, like, the most terrible type of Sundere? And why is it the one character I would normally not like, Tamako? I'm loving? <laughs> why is this switch happening? And, and it's so funny because, uh, I, of all, I mean, I, I've i always seen you is not necessarily that you like Sundere's, but you, you're easier, you take in Sundere's quicker. Um, like me, I, I, a Genki, I'm, I'm gonna avoid, like, the plague. Well, I used to really like Sundere's back with like the the familiar of Zero and the Shana's, um, but I've gotten that violent Sundere out of my system. Now it's like if I run into another violent Sundere, they really have to sell me on the character, otherwise I'm gonna hate them. So, yeah. um, but in general, the show, I, I, this is gonna be one of those that I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna cling on to that story and I'm gonna like. Please give me that story so that I can get past all this junk, because it's it really it doesn't need to be there, and and that's what it really comes down to. It's it's not even really enjoyable to see because I mean, I don't think we're gonna get much story with ten episodes though, and we're already down two episodes, and we really haven't really touched much besides he's energy power battery, and there's a specters in this world. Do you think they can do much with eight more episodes? I would say, well, no, if you add in the fluff episodes, but no, no, no. There will be an awesome (laughs) episode. There will be a beach episode. (laughs) There will probably be a changing episode. Are you calling those? Are you calling those? I'm going to say that they're actually probably not going to have them in this show. They're like, and you know, well, we why? have full on tentacle porn. Why would we need a beach scene? Exactly. <laughs> we <laughs> take already the, got we, it in. We've taken everybody's clothes off in the first episode. Why would we take their clothes off for an onsen? <laughs> We've seen everything about her. Now, it's not like we're going to go hmm, probably, there and there in a bath. They're probably going to get attacked in a bath or an onsen, but they're not going to actually have those episodes. No doubt. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't take her clothes off in the second episode. <laughs> That's true. I, I, there's a lot of, well, they had the other girls. They only had enough budget for those girls. Yeah, we've seen plenty of them, too. (laughs) 
I, I loved the, I loved, did you, did you get to see the ep- second episode all yeah. the way through? Mm-hmm. Mice. Did you get to see the, 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 the mouse part that I was telling you about? Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was great. I, I thought it was perfect. That is so cat. <laughs> it was in her mouth, but yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. <sighs> yeah. I like Tama. The, the the show in general, I think it's a hesitant recommendation right now. Just be aware of all the, like we're saying. I mean, it, there is what borders on the edge of tentacle porn in 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 parts of it. And just with how, lots of white bars. And this is that was in the first episode, so it leads us to believe that they're not going to hold back in later episodes. All right, moving forward, we got uh, Sakano, How to Raise a Boring Girlfriend. Uh, This story, the life of Tomoyo, a high school otaku working part-time to support his Blu-ray disc hoarding. With remarkable luck, he bumps into his headfirst into Megumi, who uh, the most beautiful girl he has ever seen. Naturally, the meeting twists his life into a complicated torrent of relationships. Edity, Spencer, naturally, or... Yeah, that's her whole name, Edity. I'm just going to call it Edity. Edity, his half-foreign childhood friend who always valued her friendship, uh, a relationship with uh, with Tomoyo. Uh, Utaha, a cold, composing, renowned li- uh, literature literary genius uh, who shoves everyone aside from our protagonist. Uh, what is this? A, a rogue introduction. Yeah, that's definitely one. Yeah, essentially, this, this boy, Tomoyo, uh, he's basically walking around. He suddenly disgust of when he looks over and he sees this absolutely gorgeous girl that he just caught caught him off guard at that point he becomes really obsessed with this idea of making like the best ever visual novel and so he tries to recruit his his childhood friend who she's kind of uh she's a renowned uh r18 plus uh (laughs) manga writer basically she's a really good illustrator but she basically uh, specializes in that uh he also tries to enlist utaha who she's kind of like this amazing uh author uh really renowned he also recruits uh michiru who's he's uh i think his second cousin or something like that uh who she's into music so she's gonna do his music he's trying to create this this circle of people to produce this visual novel and as he's trying to recruit these people, he suddenly bumps into this girl who he had seen at some point that struck this desire to make this. And that's um, Megumi. And she's kind of, she has no presence. She, she's one of those characters that's just very normal. And you, you just, you'll just, they often play off that. They'll have a scene where everybody's talking and you'll often, she'll be completely off the camera. So they're kind of playing off this aspect that she has no uh, presence. They'll even have... I think I think they were playing off of it. I'm not 100% positive, but they had in the background this this waitress who kept bringing this guy the wrong order, and I think it was because she was supposed to bring it to Megumi. <laughs> and the guy's like, I didn't order this, and the guy's like getting flush, flustered, and she comes back with something else, and I didn't order this either. Uh, so it that's basically the setting of the show so far. Um, you're kind of getting into where uh, Tomoya is basically struggling with trying to make this the story in order to gain the everybody's pretty much like we're not going to help you unless you can give us a story that's going to be worth our time so he keeps making stories and they end up finding that they're just boring nobody no no visual novel players ever going to care about this story it's very typical whatever you need to find your own reason and at the same time he's 
kind of trying to get this Megumi g- girl to kind of take on traits that would make her more desirable to people. He's like, you're going to be the main heroine. You have to be, you have to be this perfect person. You have to, you have to, you have to have something about you rather than your, your blank personality. And that's, that's basically the gist of it all. First of all, I want to say <laughs> Megumi is absolutely adorable. I love her as a character because she stark contrasts the hyper edity and the just violent nature of Utaha and, and almost seductiveness of Utaha. And I just love the fact that they'll have these two characters that are loud and they're like very tropish and I was and very off putting, but I can stand them because she'll be there and she'll just be off the side being just plain. And I love that about that character. So as Chris would claim, I will follow Megumi to the to the depths of writing heck, because this is I love that character. And I just like the chemistry that's, that, that that creates. You have this otaku who obviously has these girls, these two, other two girls that want him, but he doesn't care about... Th- he even makes it a point to saying he doesn't care about 3D girls. He he wants his 2D girls. He's a, he's a diehard otaku. And then you have this other girl who he's kind of trying to mold, but at the same time you kind of see that there might be something that can develop between them two just because... They kind of hint it in the recent episode, but they kind of hint at this idea that she likes the fact that he chose her. She kind of asks him, why Why did you see something in me? Because obviously I'm playing kind of thing. And all that's just really sweet, and I like it. And I'm, at the same time, I'm yelling at Tomoya, you don't have to change her. She's fine. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Megumi is cute. Don't touch her. Don't change her. And then she's trying to do this, these weird things, and it's like, don't. No. She's fine. Um, but yeah, I just really, so far, I like the characters. I like the chemistry. I don't like that they're kind of... I, I think I've somebody said that they, there's somebody from Shaft who's working on this, and that kind of shows in some Shaftiness in it. And I don't like those elements in it, but they don't bother me too much. Really, the only stuff that really bothers me a lot is the they do these... Chain, random frames will be changed to where everything is outlined with weird colors and everything color-changed. And it's very distracting, but overall, I think the, the show looks good. And like I said, I love the chemistry and I like the character so far. So what do you think? I, it's a shock for me. I know. <laughs> I, I I actually haven't gotten through the the first episode. Really? Really? Oh my gosh! The episode zero. Andrew's I, I, watching I, a harem. Every every and Chris is not. Every every time I've tried to watch that first episode, I got stuck on the onsen. And you're talking about the zero episode. Yeah. I will honestly say the zero episode is not a re- representation of this show. The zero episode was really no everybody, everybody, everything I've heard about. I mean, Megumi, it it makes me absolutely want to get through this. Sh- well, see, my problem into the show, but no, I yeah, opening up, it was like right at the first episode. They're they're typing on this computer and they're using CG to to show the hands typing. And I'm like, what the heck? And then and they're introducing all these trope characters, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then they go off into this area. Yeah, the the onsen area, and they're just playing off all the tropes, falling over. And what I kind of coined the zero episode as in my first impression was, it was almost like they were joking about the tropes, but in actuality they were doing the tropes. So you you can't joke about something and do it and expect that it's going to be non tropish. So I was very put off by the first episode, but at the very end of the episode, they had this moment where he gets he gets tied up and the girls are all drunk off something. Who knows? Could probably be soda that that has alcohol written on the side of it. And uh, 
they had this moment where he goes off with Megumi, and I was like, they could do something because they were they were talking about how he wants to mold her into this this thing, and I'm like, this this looks like it could be something good. And so I watched the first episode. I'm like, yes, they're doing it. Good, good. Keep with this. So I almost want to say. <laughs> completely disregard the zero episode no and, and no, 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 focus no, no. on what happens I towards the end there understand i'm not turned off by the show because of that i just i seen the the onsen and i had better things to do so i just went and did my other things and i haven't i just have not gotten into it and and it's just one of those kind of a I, even when i started it up i think i started it up again the other day and it was like I, I don't have time for this right now, and I just went on and did what I, other things I wanted to do. So it's not it's not that I'm turned off of the show because of that onsen part. It's just I got through that onsen part. I just shut it down. It wasn't I'm not turned off by the show. I mean, especially knowing that I have full expectations that I'm going to really truly love the uh, Megumi girl. Yeah, I was really really pointing out for everybody else. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a approval for me. I, I'm definitely enjoying it. Uh, moving forward, we have the Idol Master Cinderella Girls. I've only watched two of these episodes, so keep that in mind. But I think it's pretty much painted out what most of this series is going to be. Uh, this show basically covers. Uh, they had this audition at this. You know, if you've ever looked at anything with Idol Masters, it covers a certain studio bringing in girls to be idols, and. So coming into this, I haven't really watched any Idol Master. This is the first one I've ever watched. I'm not lost because I do know there's a studio. It's a very popular studio. Makes all these great idols groups, which are most of the other series are based off of. Um, this one's covering a this Cinderella Girls project, and they're they're bringing in girls to be idols for the Cinderella Girls. And so far, it's really covered uh, these main characters, Uzuki and Rin. So far, oh, they also brought in another girl with the, the second episode. And they are girls that failed to get into the Cinderella girls initially, but then they were requiring more girls, so they were kind of the second bring-in of girls for uh, to complete this the second group. And in the first episode, you kind of get to meet Uzuki, who she's kind of like, she wanted to become an idol. It, she's always been, had a dream, too, because she wants to wear all the pretty outfits. She wants to be treated like a, a princess, as idols seem to be treated as. And so that's her dream and her ambitions. And even though many of her friends in her club has dropped away since they failed to get into the Cinderella Girls, she's stuck with it. Suddenly this guy named Producer, he shows up, he offers her a spot in this second recruitment, and she asks, why me? And he says, well, I like your smile. It's like, okay, I, I really like my smile too. <laughs> so they kind of move on from that. He 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 keeps coming back to her and she's kind of like, well, when's my first gig? And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm still I'm still getting the rest of the girls. Continue, continue training. As he goes out, he's trying to recruit this girl named Rin. And Rin's kind of like, he just, he just sees her and he just says she's perfect for it. But she's never tried out for anything idle. She's just a, a girl. And so he offers and he, she kind of just claims that he's a, a perverted man trying to recruit for this, some random perverted idle thing and he keeps pursuing her he'll be on the side of the road holding out his business card nice and politely <laughs> she'll walk by and and then she'll be standing at the the light and he'll be standing there with her with his card out in front of him being very very silent and she keeps claiming no stop following me around and then of course kids at school start talking about him and it's very it's upsetting her at some point police even try to drag him off to the police station but she's like no it, it's not it's he's fine don't worry about it 
And she's like, well, why do you keep pursuing me? I mean, I'm not even, I don't, I don't care about being an idol. I don't, I don't have a dream of being an idol. And he's like, well, I like your smile. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I've ever smiled for you. You, you give that claim to everybody, don't you? Um, <laughs> but then the next time that producer goes to talk to Rin, he, uh, Uzuki says, well, I want to go with you this time. And so he brings Uzuki along and Uzuki and Rin start talking together alone and, Rin kind of wonders why she's so into this idea, and he's like, "Well, I, I just, I've always wanted to be uh, an idol. I want to be this princess girl, and uh, you know, it's fun." And then the producer kind of lays it out for Rin that you know, if you don't have a desire to be an idol, uh, I can guarantee you, if you, if you just try this, doors will open up for you. You know, you'll, you'll might, you might find what you're looking for if you just give it a shot. And so she's like, "Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it." And it moves on there. They move to the studio. You start to meet this, this third girl. And then they kind of lay out a whole bunch of characters that are all involved in the Cinderella Girls, and they all kind of have their own. What's great about it is it's like, I don't I don't overly like the idea of, oh, here's this random girl, and she has a catchphrase where she says, poi. No explanation for it. But in this situation, it's like, they're, they're characters. So you have these girls that have chosen in an idol, professional idolness, that they're going to have the Neko uh, aspect or... There's the lolly girl over there that's asleep all the time. Then there's the golf lolly uh, lady who's got the frilly outfit. And they all kind of have their little attributes to them that they've actually chosen to be their stage character. So it all makes sense. And it's just a very fun, it's very colorful, it's just really good, likable characters, some heartwarming moments. It's just a, a feel-good show with some, some happiness. And, best yet... The dance sequences are not CG. <laughs> it's an idol show with actual animated dance sequences. And it's great because it just seems like the show has a whole lot of money behind it. And because that's mainly because it's, it's Idolmaster. So you know they're going to have a budget behind it. And that's it's proof in the show. I, like I said, I just like, I like the characters a lot. I really like the producer because he's just this... He's very socially awkward because he's just... He's a big, huge, tall guy, no expression on his face, and he's just holding out a business card all the time. <laughs> that would be because he is the idol master. He's a you producer. Don't, you don't, no, he's the idol master. No, no, that's that's not how it works, Chris. Yes, that's that's who you that's are when you how, play the game. No, this is the producer. He's his own character. You are not him. When you play the game, you are playing him. So when you play Idol Master, you go out and you hold are the Idol Master. The no, when you play Idol Master, you're your own personality. You make your own decisions. He is producer. But yeah, he, he's he's a blast. I like him. He's it was funny because when he first comes in to meet Uzuki, she's she's training alone in her little studio, and the door just opens, and she's looking through this mirror back at where he, he is behind her. And he kind of just like slowly walks in and she thinks that he's some kind of random pervert and she's all freaking out. She turns around and he's holding out a card. <laughs> I just love it. And they're really, really funny. I liked the, uh, uh, when, when, when that was revealed about the, the smile thing it, that, uh, who was it? Ren looked, turn, turn or turned to the other girl and said, uh, what, what did he choose, choose you for or something <laughs> like that? And she said, why smile? <laughs> like, oh, I think. I think he told me the same thing. I think he just tells it to everybody. And she's like, no, but I think it's probably true for you, though. <laughs> yeah, and they had some moment in the third, uh, the second episode where they were, uh, they all kind of joked about the fact that he he says everybody's smiles good and something like that. Really, really cute. Really fun. I enjoyed it. It's just, I hope, the only problem is that it's, it's on Daisuke and it's just, I have so much trouble with that website and I really want to keep watching it and I just, 
I keep forgetting because it's one of those that you want to support that group, but you guys got to fix some stuff. <laughs> yeah, today I, I at least wanted to get two episodes in just to to prove that the first episode wasn't fluke, and I had to watch it on my on a mobile phone because you, the website on a browser was not working at all. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's available on Daisuke though. Definitely check it out. Moving forward, we have Assassination Classroom, which this show is about a. Essentially, the moon at some point exploded, and nobody knew why. But at some point, this kind of octopus-looking creature, almost alien-looking creature, uh, shows up to the uh, the big heads in the government and basically tells them he's he's going to destroy the world. But he at first he wants to he has the desire to train or he wants to teach a class because you kind of find out later that he has some kind of flashback where he was in this exploded lab and. What we're assuming is one of his creators in the lab says you 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 would be a great teacher. You should go train. You should go teach kids or something like that. So he just kind of sticks on that idea that he wants to teach a class. So he tells the government officials, "Look, I'm going to go teach this class, which I think it's like three three C or something. I don't forget what the name of it is. Three E. Three E. I'm going to go teach this class, and when that class year is over, then I'm going to destroy the world. And the military, of course, is the entire time are trying to kill him. You can even see this little scene where he's talking to the government officials and he's dodging all these bullets that are shooting at him. He can move at uh, Mach 20 speeds. Um, he's really, really brilliant. Uh, he can regenerate parts of his limbs. The only thing that can really harm him are these specially made BBs and weapons. And they're, they're, he made the bull- bullets and gave it to the government. And he basically tells them, you know, look, I'm going to allow the students to try to kill me during this year. If they can kill me before the end of the year, then, you know, of course, the world doesn't get exploded. But if they don't kill me by the end of the year, the world's end. But they claimed, they, they said, okay, on in return, you're not allowed to harm the students at all. So he's not going to harm any of the students. So, yeah, of course, these kids come into class on the, the first day of the year and it says, hey, there's this, this guy, he's going to be teaching your class and you need to kill him for the end of the year. Otherwise, he's going to blow up the earth. Nobody else in the world knows about what's going on because they kept it secret. But this one class does know that they needed to kill him before the end of the year. And that's basically the setting. I mean, it's it's really about the the every days of these students trying to figure out how they can kill him. They also claim that they'll give him like ten billion dollars, something like that, if they if they kill him, but that's really besides the point if the world's gonna end. Um, but yeah, that kind of is a somewhat of a a, dis, uh, a an aspect to it, but it's more the fact they just don't want the world to end. I think that's more probably benefit the kids that are just really bad because this is it is it is basically an exile class it's it's they have this main school where it's prestigious everybody tries to be good because they well, they scapegoat basically this one class they say this class is full of the misfits the 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 deadbeats and if you if you don't do good in school you're going to be sent to that class and so they kind of focus most of the bullying and anger towards that one class so that their school is perfect kind of thing. So it does have a, a, a lot of misfits and people that are just feel that they're exiled from the world being in this one class. But yeah, it's, it's a show. It's basically a comedy. It's, it's got some dark comedy elements to it. It's, it, it's give and take when it's actually comical. I haven't, I, it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. I was coming into this thinking, this is a really cool aspect. It could be really funny, but in the end, it does have a few funny moments. It's kind of wacky in the idea of some kid running to the window and saying, 
sensei can you come out here so i can try to kill you <laughs> it's it's funny in that aspect but it, it it's it's up and down whenever it is is kind of funny so i'm struggling with it are you yeah i'm struggling with it a little bit that sucks um i i enjoy it um i think that it it it, it tries it tries pretty hard to play on some some almost human elements but unfortunately it doesn't I don't think that it quite has it wants to sound smarter than it actually is in a lot of cases does that make sense it tries it tries to explore certain emotional contexts and it doesn't quite hit the mark um I think that what it really needs to do is focus more on the comedy elements and just let let the other things go because I think that's really where it kind of loses itself. It's really just jumping back and forth between obviously this teacher is actually really a good teacher. He's yeah. he he likes his students. He's he does well to teach his students good valuable lessons. I mean, they had this whole moment where uh one student was struggling with he with the, he would if he would ever be a good baseball player. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be this one baseball player. So uh, they call him Koro-sensei. Koro-sensei decides randomly at one break time to bolt off at Mach 20 speeds over to America to watch some this this baseball player that he was talking about pitch and then bolt right back and check out the kid's uh, muscle structure and says, you'll never be that baseball player. And he says, what? What, what do you mean? I just, I just went over there and, and grabbed him and, and checked his muscle structure and yours don't match his. You're, you're, you can never possibly ever do it. But... You're a good thrower, and you can be. You can do your own pitch. Don't it, basically. He told him, "Don't mimic this guy over here because it ain't gonna happen." Be your own player, and because you have a good pitch, and it's those moments where it's like, "Oh, that's that's really heartwarming." It's almost akin to like uh, last in se- or last season with uh, uh, Kokori-san. It kind of reminds me of that. It's it's, it's a mixture between some wow, I don't know where feel good moments, and then comedy. So. I, I do like in that aspect. I don't. I don't completely hate it. It's just, it's not as great as I thought it would going to be. Well, I mean. I, and and what I'm saying is, is I think that it does good on it. I just, I think that it it tries too hard to um, over justify itself with that stuff. And I think that it it, I think that it they can do good, and the comedy is there if they if they just grab onto that comedy and play on that comedy, um, don't try so hard to be more than what it, than what they can really do. And I think that that's really where they're, they're, they're just having a hard time finding that balance. I think that as they get into stride, they'll probably just pick it up and they'll be fine. I, because I do think that the, the storytelling is fine there. And I think that, I think it has a good, solid ability to do what they want to do. Um, how many episodes is this? It's only been three episodes, but they had one delayed. I know, but how many episodes oh, is it? Probably 12. I think I heard 24 at some point. No, they could not drag that out for 24 episodes. I know, that's what I was thinking. Um, moving on forward, we, let's, let's, go to, uh, let's go to Death Parade. Uh, Death Parade is after death humans go to either heaven or hell actually it's technically it's either reincarnation or the void is is technically what it is because this is this is like buddhist religion actually and it's funny because they keep saying like heaven and hell and it's like no it's not technically what it is 
technically actually it is kind of um, but for some at an instant of their death they arrive at Queen Deckham a bar attended by a mysterious white haired Deckham uh, he challenges them to a death game wherein they wager their lives and reveal their true natures Deckham himself is an ultimate arbiter of who wins and who loses who will go to heaven and who will go to hell that's essentially what's going on in each episode so far. They, they've they've kind of hinted at some side stories, but mostly it's almost episodic in that each episode they'll kind of bring in a new person. They will, or a new pair of people. They will then kind of give them a game to play. They have no idea of where they came from. They kind of have some hints of their life, uh, but there's some kind of key elements in their life that's kind of shaded away. And as they play the game with whoever their opponent with is with, over time, they'll kind of slowly get things revealed of the darkness in their past, and they're kind of challenged to either accept or be angry about that aspect. And then that idea is, is kind of interesting, and over time, they'll kind of either become full of hatred or kind of accept it, and in the end, Deckham kind of makes a decision. And in that aspect of the show, I really enjoy it. The show is hinting at a lot of things that are kind of powerful there it's a definitely an emotional roller coaster and for that i really like it it's got a, a great visual style to go along with it and just overall i've, I've been really really loving the show so far i love this it's like show. i don't want to talk too much about it because each each of the different stories are, are you really need to watch it kind of thing i love this show because i i and i'm so happy that i and i even heard uh at some point a a criticism on the second episode which i can kind of agree with but at the same time i think that it was kind of a bending to the will of a lot of people wanting to see behind the curtain and i think that's what really the episode two was was it was showing behind the curtain and then they went right back into with episode three and four they went right straight back into the 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 way this show the the storytelling that makes this sh- this show what it can true its true potential and that is it has nothing to do with the bar and i i will stand by that forever looking behind the curtain is really not what is what what was great what was great about that episode is. was yeah i did kind of it shocked me at first with the idea of doing a recap but at the same time the later part of it really did reveal something that was kind of dark and I really like that. It it really kind of it it shed this perspective that Deckham was just this all empowering, cannot make any kind of uh, false bad decisions. He's this perfect emotionless being that fixes everything. Well, it it, it but it also was a re- reaffirmation to you as as the viewer. It was kind of a thing where. Yeah, it, it it did reaffirm okay that he is is fallible, which is po- it is I'm 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 on board with that. But it also was a reaffirmation to you yourself that make that says even you may make the wrong judgment. Not necessarily right. Deckham. It's a reaffirmation to you as the viewer that even you can make a a, a, a wrong judgment. Did you consider this? And that when you stop and consider that yeah it is possible that even me as a person i made the wrong judgment as well um i i thought that that was one of those really cool things that no matter what 
the judgment is always skewed based on what you, what is revealed to you. Um, and I think that that is what's really cool. And I th- I love the the storytelling in each one of these characters coming in. Like I said before, it don't get focused on the bar when you watch this show because the bar is not the story. It's these people that are coming in and what they go through during this the, each episode. Yeah, just I really love the storytelling though. I, I definitely I agree it. with you. I I had a moment with the third episode where. And people know if, if if you listen to our crying podcast is I don't really get teared up and at that much I rarely have ever had a tear fall off my cheek and it it pulled it off I mean Death Arcade or or uh... yes 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 it okay was, yes it was that last last final moment I was just like he he said something like he did good or something like that and I was like oh gosh. <laughs> I hit fell down the cheek and I was like no why death parade of any show did that it was it was just good it was good build up and everything so okay I don't want to interrupt a, a an actual show review or preview so um yes uh Kuro Sensei is going for 22 episodes that's going that's going to drag unless they do something that's going to drag bad I can imagine I got to go with each student and try to fix each student as many sh- as they showed at that first part, yeah. <laughs> this is a full class, and they can keep bringing in characters, too. Uh, moving forward, we got Rolling Girls, and this show is 10 years after the Great Tokyo War. Each prefecture in Japan has split into independent nations. Each nation is ruled by a prophet called Mosa and an army called Mob. As they start, of, uh, to, comp- as they start to compete to take over countries, um, four mob girls from Saitama clan, Nozomi, Yukina, Ai, and Chiaya, are ordered by their Mosa to travel. That's not even true. To travel to Japan riding on motorcycles to mediate multiple battles between nations and clans that, as they merge. Actually, technically, what happened was uh, the main girl essentially she knew, I guess, what, uh, is, is there. Essentially, they have this girl who is the green green something. She was one uh, like a freedom fighter. She tries to keep peace between all of these these fighting uh, prefectures. And at some point, she gets injured. So the main girl she decides, well, I'm going this uh, Nozomi. She decides I'm going to take on her responsibilities. All these requests that she gets, I'm going to help take care of those while she's hurt. And so then she goes off, and she ends up taken on a job which requires them to go out and get these gems anyways but that this is kind of going along with the the my comment about season of what the heck's going on and the fact that a lot of the time in this show i have i have absolutely no clue what the hell is going on it, it's not really black and white exactly what how this world is built or why these people are doing this or doing this Good thing about it is after like the second episode ish, it finally became what I seen in the PVs of the Rolling Girls going around on these bikes and doing stuff, and we left behind what was initially in the, in the very first episode of why wait what this is Kill a Kill again? I mean, I, I thought I clicked Rolling Girls. I didn't know I clicked Kill a Kill. We have these ins- insanely animated, colorful explosions of vomit of colors, combat sequences. Which I admit, very well animated, very, very energetic combat and stuff, which I give it credit for that. Some really silly moments, but it wasn't exactly what I was signed up, signing up for. 
especially with what we see in the PVs. But now that it's kind of gone away from that insane chaotic chaoticness of the first couple episodes, I'm actually starting to enjoy the show, <laughs> which is kind of surprising because I was just about to drop it in the first episode. I like Nozomi. I like I liked a couple of the the things that they were dealing with in their travels around the world. I kind of get where they're going to go with it. I think they kind of get into this idea of going around and getting these gems to give them because they, they essentially have uh, two types of people. They have the best and the rest. And the best are basically people with these supernatural ba- abilities that can fight these grandiose fights and anybody that's a rest that gets near the fight will get thrown millions of miles away and not actually die. I don't know, quite get that. It, it's very cartoonishy and goofy in that way, but they, it's, kind of starting to get more interesting as they kind of settle down i think i don't like that chaoticness i think it's it's it feels too much like uh you know saturday morning cartoons shonen-ish kind of stuff whereas what they're kind of getting into in the later ones is more mellow and more interesting character happenings and occurrences that are kind of catching my interest so did they ever get rid of that stupid alligator head yeah, he was left behind. That's what I mean. Episode three and four, so I'm enjoying it, but so the first two episodes was just kind of a little bit bonkers. I'm, I'm on board. If they got rid of the alligator head, I'm on board. Yeah, it's, it's moving more into the moe cutie girl kind of thing, but they're still kind of keeping that element of this supernatural element of superpowered did he, people. Did he, did he at least fall off of the 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 roller coaster? No, he used the alligator. The alligator head was going to fly off, and he felt that it was more important to grab that than the roller coaster and he flew off like a parachute so he would not let that thing go <laughs> he would stand by it to death but yeah i i'm i'm enjoying it so far so uh i just hope that they keep to what they're doing with it right now and not go back so yeah that's that's rolling goals gourmet girl graffiti there's not much to the story <laughs> It's about a girl who likes to cook food to make people happy, and and they all have very, 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 very happy, sparkly, and reactions, uh, emotional, <laughs> involved eating of food or or food porn. That's that's basically it. I mean, I. I I came into this kind of thinking it would be the sugar show, and I was going to enjoy it for that. Uh, again, it's, it's got... Chef. Chef does not do <laughs> sugar. You have this girl, Ryu, who basically just wants to make food and make people happy. You have Kit- Kitten, who is her cousin, who wants to attend the same school as her in Tokyo, so she stays with her on uh, Saturday so that she can attend a weekend's class. And then you have Sheena, who is a, a, a friend of Ryu, who goes to the same school, they really haven't gotten to her much, but it's just just it's food sh- food network the anime. It's really it all. It's not food network the anime. I the first episode I was enjoying <laughs> it. I was enjoying the first episode a lot because it was like oh they're they're kind of getting a little you know some good heartwarming moments, but then like going on from there it was just like they're just sitting there eating and I don't see anything happening and I <sighs> I, I give it that you know if that's what you're looking for it's cute fun yeah but I'm struggling with it right now because it's just, I don't. I'm having time crunches with all these other shows and everything else I'm doing, and I'm not getting anything from the show, so I don't really want to continue it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's the same for me. I don't have the time for it. I'm sure it, it's enjoyable. I just don't have time I, for it. And see, I 
got a slightly different feel from it. I mean, I love the artwork. I thought it was really great oh, it looking. It tanked in the second episode, though. I didn't think it looked that bad. I'm, I I did see some down downgrades, but it wasn't bad. And then most of the eating um, is the same clip over and over again. My main issue with this is that they're trying to grab onto... See... With my, the the Gatari series, they have a tendency to blab and blab and blab about things involving whatever they're dealing with, or talking about character things, or talking about how to think about certain things, and it really explores different things that you can think about. Whereas with this show. It's really, they're talking about, they'll talk about food every once in a while. And then they'll talk about how food affects their lives. And then they'll talk about their lives. And then they'll talk about what happened in their lives. And then they'll talk about how their family affects their lives. And then they'll talk about how food affects their families. See, I got that in the first episode. Yeah. But after that, then what? Food. And this is the real issue that I have with the show. It's not necessarily that I don't like the show because I do really like the show. My main problem is is that it's not they don't have enough to keep pushing through with this show. And that is my main problem with it. Um actually I would say that's the first two episodes. Um the third episode is where I really started to see that they're they're straining for something to keep going with their con their continued conversations because that's how shaft works they like to have heavy dialogue yes 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 i agree with that two episodes i loved and then the third episodes where i dropped off right and the third and that episode was, that was food network it was here's this next piece of food and they're looking up at some random corner of the room and then she goes over and they eat it here's this next way of cooking that food and they're pointing up at that that same corner of the room and it's like okay uh-huh and that's and that's where i think that they're 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 having a hard time finding where they want to be with this show. What they want to have is something that they can talk about. The problem is is that these these three girls don't really have that much in their lives outside of food, which can cause conversation. But the problem is, is I don't think that they want to talk about how to make the food, and I think that's really what would truly capture this show is talking about the food what is in the food how do they make the food and then how to eat it and then how to eat it and then they can have fun with that but the problem is is that they're trying to reflect on life through food and that's not that's not translating out very well in the show but it looks great i think it it's it it has the potential to be a good show um I've only gotten three episodes in. I know that there's a fourth episode out there. So if there is something that changes in the fourth episode, I don't know yet. Yeah. It's Shaft. It's Shaft. It's Shaft. Um, our next show we have is Unlimited Fafner or Zhu Mujin no Fafner. Essentially, this, uh, this occurrence happens where these dragons appear. The dragons are suddenly to vanish for some reason. But then suddenly these girls start being born with kind of these magical abilities they have these marks on them and they're called d well they're isolated on this island called midgar and at some point this one only boy d has been now pushed onto this island 
He's 16 years old. Some reason within the past three years, he somehow joined this organization, this like secret, not a secret, it's like a military group called the N- Niffle or something like that. He's given, he's in this three years, he's become a lieutenant. He became ripped. He became able to use dark matter to a great extent and <laughs> completely hardened character within three years. But that's besides the point. Now that he's on this island, he is, they kind of um, mentioned that. I'm going to throw this out there. What? The fourth episode did explain that, by the way. Good, because I don't know if I'll ever watch the fourth episode, but if I do, I can get that explained. Is it time warp, or is it a thing like... Uh... It has to do with his powers. Oh, okay. You can stop time now. He's definitely the new Tatsuya. I think you might take that from the guy from no, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Break. I mean, I when 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 Andrew Andrew turned around and he he says, "Oh, there's a Tatsuya in this season." I said, "Yeah, I've seen about four. Uh, that was before you p- watched episode four, though. <laughs> I've seen about four uh, candidates for Tatsuya this season. So yeah. But anyways, um, when he's on this island, you come to find out these dragons decide on a random basis they want to find their quote-unquote d one of the the one girl that is somehow connected to them they want to come uh, meet them for some reason but when they meet for some reason the girl will then become a dragon themselves and so this creates this whole aspect that when these dragons suddenly appear to come to midgar they need to the girls need to learn how to use their powers to fight back before they find that one girl who is destined for that dragon to meet and that's that's basically the gist so far. I mean, you come to find out that that this you guy is really powerful by some reason, but it. I mean, I haven't really found much to it besides that they do kind of get into the emotion of, well, do you want to kill the girl before the dragon reaches them? That whole kind of element was kind of interesting. Um, the the group that you was from, the military group, wants to kill these girls before that happens. So that's why they essentially put you there. And that's really all that's been put into it so far. And you, like I said, you've watched the fourth episode. I don't know if it gets any more deeper than that. But so far, I haven't really seen too much in it that is spectacular. But at the same time, it's not terrible. It visually is terrible. Like, it, it looks like crap. Yeah, visually. CG visually, monsters I, I that I look can, like they're from PlayStation oh, 1. The CG the CG monster look absolutely horrid. Um, I mean, it would look like a... A budget version of Sin. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, PS2. You're giving a lot too much credit. <laughs> like I said, it was a budget version. Um, yeah, a PS1 version of it. <laughs> and I, I don't think I think that would be giving it too much credit. The no, thing, it just what's, what's like fascinating a is that, that the weapons that the characters use are done in CG. Yeah, like they couldn't. No, they couldn't no, draw a ki- gun. What killed? What killed me was. Um, the the on that third episode that girl pl- using that spell and she just kept using that spell over and over and over and it was like that was om- almost sounded like a broken record when she was <laughs> saying it it was like it was it was showing her frustration and her her struggle <laughs> i don't know how you got stuck was, on that she was working so hard to do that so- that that word again and again and again and i'm kid you not the sound sound Again and again and again. <laughs> Just hit repeat on it over and over again. You yes, got your it, 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 it sounded horrid. But, you know, that's beside the point. Okay, when it comes down to it, I think the world is interesting. I think that there's a lot of neat stuff in here. Um, the downside is, is that 
the characters feel a little bit shallow mm-hmm. because I don't think that they're digging into them enough. And I think that w- what we're going to end up having is a Girl a, crisis, a crisis of girls. There, there's going to be too many girls, and none of them are really going to get delved into because we're already moving into a, a a a third girl now. I mean, we've already been introduced to like five girls, and we we're already moving into a sixth girl, and the, her dragon's already on his way. So I mean, we're we're already looking at it just a floodgate of girls and dragons so we're gonna probably get a dragon every episode if not every two episodes but i think that it seems like two episodes. i think he's going to be interesting uh they've already revealed some things about him that can play into some interesting back plot uh you got you've got the world itself which is very interesting you have the 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 dragons and and their marks and how the girl supposedly the girls what happens to the girls when they meet the dragons what happens why is it doing that I th- so i think that there is enough there to have enough to keep you entertained as far as storytelling is concerned how they do it is all up in the air. I don't see this as a very fan service show. There has been fan service in it. So I think it'll be all right. Yeah. I just wish they had a little bit more budget. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they have a budget. Yeah, I think that's probably, if I was going to say anything that I would take, it's really the budget. I don't think that they have a lot It sucks because it's almost to the point of where it kind of almost harms the storytelling because there could be a really fascinating thing. It's just that's a hard thing to struggle with. Yeah, that, I think that's that's pretty much all we have. I mean, there's a short called Military, which was I've I've enjoyed so far. It's not much investment, but there really isn't too much to it. Um, it's just some girls showing up to some guy's house saying that their dad hired them to protect him because his dad accidentally became part of the military because of a a, a paperwork <laughs> mistake, and he turned out to be like the most uh, tide turning thing in the battle against this other group, and that's all hilarious, but. It's a short. It's just a quick comedy thing. So check it out if you if you want to hit that up. Yeah, I like. I've I've liked most of the episodes so far. One, yeah, the I whole really... the whole with the the little table with the heater underneath yes. it, and they turn them into a tank and they fight each other. It's it's, it's bonkers. But yeah, besides that, we have Dorada uh, season two is coming up uh, or is playing Kamisama Kiss season two. I'll know zero season two. Tokyo Ghoul season two. Um, we won't be getting into those quite yet. We might do some discussional podcasts on the side to discuss those in length, but they're kind of hard to talk about in something like this because they require you to know what happened in the first season. So we might do that another time. That's all we have, though. That's 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 winter 2015 season. It's, it's kicking off, and we hope you all enjoyed our run-through of our thoughts on them, and definitely check them out. If, you, if anything in there sounds interesting, if you have some take on it and you want to let us know, definitely let us know in the comments for this article. Um, we'll have a forum thread created for it you can just chat about it but yeah we, we thank you all for listening os uh the outro i didn't expect you to say that yet. <laughs> the outro is the testament of sister new devil op which was told but to us by our, our our lovely community that it was not included in the best of music or our our music picks for 2015 uh winter season so here you go here's your testament of sister new devil op which is called blade of hope by Sweet Arms, and that is it. Y'all take care. Now you can say it. Oh!
た希望の先へ明日への道は終わらないねばへ Get s t u c